Welcome to Encompass Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. To share your story of what God has been doing in you and through you, take a moment to email us at amen at encompass.org.au. Enjoy today's message. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Thank you, David. Appreciate that. Um, how's everyone doing? Good? Good. What a beautiful... It's been such a beautiful service so far. Um, I don't want to be called up here again for gifts. Uh, we'll just we'll talk about that in the debrief uh, after today's service. Um, you know, as much as you're honoured as a father, I feel very much a son uh, of the house. You know what I mean? Like as in, and so um, I, I pray that uh, you know you are celebrated today as as fathers. And um, you know, I just want to honour my dad uh, today. I just want to say, you know, obviously Happy Father's Day. But um, you know, thank you for raising my sister and I very well. Um, you've always shown kindness and gentleness to us. You've always been generous, very encouraging uh, to Alyssa, myself and Tam. And, uh, you know, we're very grateful for how you've shown us a life of faith, a life of generosity. And so thank you. And, uh, you know, I do, Pastor John, uh, who has been the father of our house for what, over 25 years, um, I, listen, he's having a bad day today. He just landed in um, Paris. What? what? <laughs> Oh, so bad. Uh, but I think it'd be, uh, I think we really got to honour him. He has shepherded us for many years. He has led us. He has taught us. He has preached to us. He has invested into many of us, all of us, in some way or another. And I think we should say a huge happy Father's Day and just honour him. Would you just put your hands together for him? I'm going to send him this or someone will send him this. And, um, you know, it's really important. Um, I, I'm like, does he, does he become the grandpa of the house now? I'm not sure, but uh, we've got to work something out because, uh, you know, I just believe we should continually honour uh, the great men and women in our lives. Um, can I speak to the men in the room just for a moment, though? And um, if, you're standing, if you're sitting next to a man, but this is, I, I was just seeking God this week, and this is, this is what I sense. I believe we're going to see the stirring and raising of godly men in this next season. Let me say that again. We're going to see the stirring and raising of godly men in this next season. I believe men are going to make daring, faith-filled commitments, daring, faith-filled commitments to building the kingdom of God in this next season. That we will see men rise up in marriages, in families, in areas of influence. And here's the thing. Sons and daughters and wives, they're going to speak about this year. They're going to speak about August. They're going to speak about September now. We're going to, they're going to speak about this time in 2023 where God grabbed a hold of my husband or my uncle or my brother's life. And something shifted in the atmosphere. There will be a testimony about this year. I believe men are going to burn with passion, hunger and boldness for his kingdom. And there will be a countercultural shift that takes place. And it will start with the men. And it will not be overwhelmed, it will not be overwhelmed by society, but it will actually bring a shift to the world that we're in. It will bring a shift to the society that we're part of. If you receive that, would you say amen? Amen. amen. You know, we should be praying that over the men in our lives. As, as a man, we should be saying, oh, I want to receive this more and more. Anyway, shall we get into today's word? Yeah. It's great to see so many faces, so many new faces. Uh, as Elizabeth said, this. I think there's 60 new people, uh, you know, just coming on Wednesday night. Uh, that's, that's incredible. If you want it, it's not too late to join. Uh, we may need to get McDonald's for you, but uh, it's not too late to join. Um, like happy meal. I wouldn't, 
Not a happy man, be a man. All right, cool. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8. Let's read it. Uh, I'll read it, and then you guys just follow. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Everyone say nothing. He became empty. He, he became zero, zilch. And so all of a sudden, by taking the very nature of a servant, when he became a servant, he dropped down. He lowered himself, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. He chose to serve. He decreased himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. As Alyssa said, we're going to continue our relationship series today. And I want to talk about a really popular topic topic for everyone. I'm sure you all want to talk about it. I want to talk about vulnerability today. Happy Father's Day. (laughs) All the men's like, hey, you're supposed to be one of us. (laughs) Why are you talking about this? You know, this is what Jesus was doing um, when, when he was desiring real relationship with us. He was being vulnerable. He made himself nothing. He, made, he decreased himself. He became a servant and humbled himself. And for you and I to have real relationships with the men, women, kids, family members, everyone in our lives, it requires you and I to be vulnerable. And, and, and I think it's really important that we teach into this and speak into this as a church because, and I'll talk about this in a moment, but you can't just throw around the word discipleship as a buzzword. Because discipleship requires vulnerability. And so we're going to talk about this sort of stuff today, and, um, and then we'll get to it. I, I know it's Father's Day. I should have picked a better topic. But, you know, to be strong and courageous, you need to be vulnerable. When I am weak, then I am strong. Anyway, let's pray and let's get into it. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word. We know it's powerful. We know it's sharper than any double-edged sword. So God, we pray right now that it will move today. You will speak to us today and we will leave transformed. Lord, I pray for humble hearts open to you, transparent hearts that will be vulnerable with you this morning, that will be open for you to speak and move. In your mighty name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So like about a month ago, maybe three weeks ago now, three large boxes came to our house. And in these boxes were 450 pieces of Harley's new bunk bed. Now historically, I have used uh, Airtasker as the person who will make this bunk bed. You know what I mean? I, I wasn't, I'm not good at putting things together. It's a lot of pieces, right? Reviews would have said that with two people, this bunk bed would have taken three hours to make. Because the thing is, I don't like asking for help. So we're not doing it with two people, we're doing it with one person today, okay? With one person, it takes about six hours to make this bunk bed. That's a lot of pieces, okay? And so here I was in this three-by-three three room. Firstly, does anyone else, like, you, who, like, who doesn't like asking for help here? Anyone with me here? Yeah, it's, I don't want to put, I don't, it's okay, I can sort this out on my own. Anyway, so here I was in this three-by-three three room building this 450-piece set of a bunk bed, and there were moments where I had to ask Minnie Mouse, Harley's toys, and the books, and the walls to all help me lift this other side, because there are you're talking about two-meter lengths here. 
You know what I mean? Like, and you're trying to not. There were moments where my leg was up in the air, just trying to drill in the other side, and it was terrible. Like, as in, it was the hardest thing ever, and I should have asked for help, because maybe there's some scratches in the wall that should not be there. <laughs> maybe there's a few cracks in this this timber that really. Ooh, uh, I'm not going on the top. Top. That's all I'm saying. But in the end, something stops me from asking for help. Something stops me from saying, hey, can you please help here? I need your assistance. I don't know what I'm doing, maybe stuff like that. It's the same thing that stops us from admitting when we're lost in the car. You know, like, I don't do U-turns. Anyone else like me? Because U-turns are the automatic admission that you're lost. Why are you laughing? As in, Alyssa knows. She goes, we're not turning around out. I just do three turns and I just assume, three right turns, and I just assume I'm in the back, in the right, in the, the place where I started. That actually doesn't always work, by the way. Don't try it at home. Um, but seriously, like, as in, uh, it's the same thing that stops us there. It's the same thing when we really, really get it wrong, but we just don't want to say it. You know that thing that stops you from saying that word, sorry? And, and the thing is, is that we don't do this just with building beds. We don't just do this when we're driving the car. We do this in every area of our life. We get stuck. When we really need help, we make these mistakes in real life. Like as in not, again, not just building, not just like as in driving, but we get into dark and lonely places and you and I, we say nothing. We, we don't reach out, and we make all these excuses when we get in these bad positions, and we say things like, I don't really need help, like as in, just give me three more days, and I'll sort this out on my own. But then three days becomes three months, and then three months becomes three years, and you're still working it out on your own. We say things like, well, I'm not as bad as Johnny. Like, you should see their circumstances. Like, they're really bad, and, and I don't need to say anything because, like, as in, trust me, like, as in, I'm not as bad as everyone else, so therefore I don't need that much help. Potentially, we say things like, I just don't want to bother you with my mess. You're really busy. I see that you're really busy and you've got a lot of kids or you've got a lot of circumstances, etc., etc. You're too busy to deal with my mess, so I won't share anything. And this is what takes place. We're in a relationship series about real relationships. But here's the problem is that we end up living superficially and we end up creating walls in our lives, distance is created, and we end up at best having surface relationships. Surface relationships where no one really knows what's going on in our lives. No one really knows the struggles that you're wrestling with and the things that are taking place, but to have real relationships, to have a real marriage with your husband or wife, to have real, a real family, to be sharing with one another, with close friends and family members, it requires to share deep parts of ourselves. Relationships require openness and transparency. Relationships require us to be vulnerable. Everyone say vulnerable. Vulnerable with the people in our lives. So what is vulnerability as we, as we walk through this today? Well, it is the risk. Everyone say risk. It is the risk of sharing our weakness with another person. <clears throat> Let me say that again. It is the risk of sharing our weakness with another. So vulnerability is a risk. Why? Because we are exposing something of ourselves. I'm saying I'm going to put myself out there to you and I don't know how you're going to respond. 
That's the risk that we take when we are vulnerable with the people in our lives. I'm going to share something with you, and I don't know if you're going to reject me, accept me, or say something silly, but that is the risk that is taken. Everyone say weakness. It is the risk of sharing our weakness with another person in our lives. The pro- this is where I think vulnerability actually falls down for most of us. Because we have a bad theology when it comes to weakness. You and I, we follow the world when it comes to weakness. And, and the thing is, we follow the society's view when it comes to weakness. We see weakness as negative. Right? Like, even when I said weakness, you're like going, boring. Like, as in, we see weakness as average. As, to be weak is unimpressive. It's bad. To be vulnerable, that's unattractive, isn't it? And, and we feed this inaccurate view of weakness by believing what society pushes on us. The society we're part of pushes things like be powerful and influential. That's what you should be aiming for. That's what strength is. Be, be strong and successful. That's when you'll prove to everyone. The bigger, the better. So all of a sudden, what does this look like? Well, the titles that I have or you have determines the respect I get. That's what society pushes, right? The, the, the money I have in my bank account or the car that I drive determines how much I'm accepted by you. The world pushes this idea that, like, as in the more likes, the blue tick next to your name, the more follows, the more comments, etc., the more user engagement I get, the more known I really am. But when you read your Bibles, and I pray that we are all reading our Bibles every day or more and more each and every day, when you read your Bibles, the Bible is woven with weakness and vulnerability all the way through it. It is literally from the start to finish. It is woven with the idea of weakness and vulnerability, but yet you and I keep living like how society pushes being strong and courageous by titles and entitlement. So the Bible says in Corinthians, when I am weak, then I am strong. The exact opposite to the world. When I am weak, when I am vulnerable, then I I am strong. That's the exact opposite to the world. From the very start, from the beginning, when God gave Adam and Eve a free decision, he said, here, here's the garden. That's the tree you don't eat from. It's your opportunity. You choose. That was him being vulnerable with them. He didn't control them. He said, your decision, you choose what you want to do. And that was him saying, hey, I want to be weak with you. I'm going to allow you to make this decision yourself. We serve a God. We worship a God. Man, I love that song, Alpha and Omega. That is like one of the great, uh, we should, every week we should do that song. Straight after New Wine. I think that's a great, that was a, anyway, moving, uh, we'll talk about it after. But, but we serve and we worship a God who, who led through vulnerability. We read it in Philippians when we started. He became nothing. Not something. He became nothing. He humbled himself and he chose to be a servant. Think about the life of Jesus for a moment. He came as a vulnerable baby, not a warrior. Think about, think about our theology right now when it comes to weakness. If you believe that to show your vulnerability is actually weak, weak, it's wrong. He came as a vulnerable baby. He was, born, he was, he was part of a small t- town called Nazareth where the Bible would say, what good could come from Nazareth? 
He waited 30 years to kick off his ministry. Most of us want to kick it off at 13 these days. And he was even reluctant to start his ministry. His ministry was quite small from world standards. He didn't chase a big platform. He didn't go to a mega church. He, he stopped for the person that touched his cloak. He ministered to the woman at the well. The guy up in the tree, he spoke to them. It, by world standards, he was vulnerable. He was weak. He was small, but yet he's the savior of the world. He rode on a donkey, not a stallion. He was treated like a common criminal, not the king of kings and the Lord of lords. When, when he approached his death, what did he say? He said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken? Why have you abandoned me? That's raw. That's weak. And here's the thing. If, if our Savior, the one that you and I worship, is able to live a life of vulnerability, of weakness, if he is actually able to share with us that, hey, I felt abandoned or I was talking to God and asking these questions during his death on the cross, what makes you think you need to be so strong during your trials? What makes you and I think that we actually need to put on a front to actually go, oh, no, you know, I don't need much help here, like as in I'm all good, like as in what makes us think that we need to be so strong? We have believed the lie of society. Our kids, our three-year-old, she has this beautiful ability to just be honest. She says things like, I'm scared. When's the last time you said I'm scared to someone? She says things like, Daddy, I need your help. Daddy, I don't know what to do. About six months ago, she didn't know how to pronounce nervous, and she said, nervous, I'm nervous. And, and whenever we would do something with her, she'd be like, Daddy, I'm nervous, Daddy. And, and, and it was just so vulnerable. It was just so open. But if you heard that from an adult, well, that would be a miracle. Vulnerability is about being 100% human. Here's a question for your reflection this morning is, when was the last time you were vulnerable with the people in your world? When was the last time you chose to take a risk when you were sharing your life with someone, where you didn't really know how they were going to respond to you? You were putting yourself out there going, I really need your help. I really am feeling a bit uneasy about this. I'm scared. I'm not saying go home today after this morning and go open up to your neighbour and sit outside for the next hour, but there are key relationships appropriate relationships that you should be and you need to be more vulnerable in. I don't want to pick on the men today because it is Father's Day, but men, there are key relationships that we need to be more vulnerable in. Uh, side note, if you aren't vulnerable, so if you're like going, oh, I don't like this topic, I'll, I'll talk to you a bit later and uh, let's, let, let's do next week now. Um, I just want to tell you what it's like to be on the other side of you. Just a little bit of insight for 30 seconds, okay? If you are not, if you, if you don't choose to be vulnerable, it's very unsatisfying being on the other side of you. Because if the person on the other side of you desires intimacy, it requires vulnerability. I think a lot of people in our lives desire an intimate relationship, but it requires you and I to be vulnerable with each other. It's frustrating being on the, side, on the other side of you. I'll tell you why, because... When you say it's all good, it can't always be that good. 
Like, yes, of course, life is good at times, but it can't always be good, can it? Like, as in, that, that's a, it's great if it is, but be vulnerable. Unfortunately, where there's no vulnerability, there's no growth. You see, if you're not vulnerable with yourself, with others and God, what takes place is, is that God can't actually do the work that you're, willing, that you're not willing to acknowledge. You can't build a relationship with someone if you're not willing to be open with them. So today, um, I'm going to spend the next few moments trying to give us some tools in this space. It's very quiet, and I understand it's the topic, but is everyone still awake? Is everyone still good? It's a close one. It's my first Father's Day message, by the way, so no pressure, but you should respond really well anyway. But... uh, not to manipulate anyone, but you know. Uh. Hey, do you remember, as we, before we go into the tools, but do you remember when you were in primary school and um, they trained you in fires? And firstly, they would say, don't play with fire. Who remember? You know, don't play with But if you ever ended up playing with fire, not that you were playing with fire, but let's pretend you ended up playing with fire, what would happen is they would tell you whether your, your pants were on fire because you were a liar or because, like, you know, um, your, your shirt's on fire. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Anyway, um, but, you know, uh, if, if your body's on fire, they told you to do three steps. Do you remember the three steps? It was stop, drop, and roll. Everyone say stop, drop, and roll. Now say it like you're actually on fire. Everyone say stop, drop, and roll. We're going to stop, drop, and roll. This is the keys or the keys I want to uh, leverage today as a framework when we talk about vulnerability, okay? Stop, drop, and roll. I'm about to get a little bit direct, okay? But bear with me, it's gonna be okay. Is that okay? Just, just calm down. Stop, drop, and roll. The framework for vulnerability. Stop lying to yourself, God, and others. Vulnerability requires you to be honest with yourself. It requires us to be honest with us. Unfortunately, many of us can't be vulnerable with others because we are dishonest with ourselves. We lie to ourselves about where we're really at. It's not that bad, you know what I mean? Like, as in, we lie to ourselves about what's really happening, what we're really feeling in life. We, we, we actually lie to ourselves about, you know, how we're, we, we don't even reflect, we refuse to reflect. Some of us, we can't reflect because of trauma. And the thing is, when there are deep wounds, if you're kind of going, I, I can't be honest with myself, I just can't go there in my mind. If there is a deep wound that's created that, I believe God wants to give you freedom in that. But you need to be intentional about how you walk it through. Maybe this week you just take the baby step of reaching out to someone. Or maybe it's booking an appointment with a doctor or counsellor. But I believe that you can actually unlock vulnerability in your life. If you want to experience freedom, it requires honesty. Vulnerability requires honesty. Let's look at the book of Psalms this morning. Psalm 51 verse 6. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. And in, hidden part of, and, and in the hidden part of my heart, you will make me know wisdom. You see, David had committed adultery, murdered the husband, and everything was going wrong. And in Psalm 32, this is what he says when it comes to, I guess, lying and confession. He says, when I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day. When I refuse to be honest with myself, 
When I refused to be honest with God and others, my body withered away. Something was tormenting me. The lies followed me. Psalm 32, though, three verses literally later, it says, finally, I confessed all my sin. Everyone say confessed. I confessed all my sin to you and, you stop, and, and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. We need to stop lying to ourselves. We need to stop lying to others. Stop, drop, and roll. We have to stop lying to God and be open with him. As a young man, if I were to be honest for the rest of this conversation, um, that was a joke, um, but, but if I were to be honest, like I, had a, I actually had a problem with dishonesty. And I had a huge, I, I had a huge, I had a long past and a past that I was ashamed of. And I remember just before Alyssa and I got married, I, I tried to bring things to the light. And I was like going, hey, babe, this is an area of my life that, that I've struggled in. And, and, and I tried to talk this out with her. But unfortunately, during this time, I wasn't, you know, when shame takes over, when guilt takes over, when it follows you, I wasn't able to actually bring it all out. And it was like this weight of, of the lies, the, the, the wound, it just followed me. And I, and I know exactly what David's talking about. And then, and then earlier in the marriage, I was able to actually bring it all out. I was able to bring it all to like going, God, I want you to do a work in me. I want you to do a work in our relationship. I had to be honest with her. But the thing is, is that this, the enemy loves you keeping things in the dark. He is having a field day right now. He loves the fact that you're keeping things in the dark because in the dark, God can't do a work. And he will shame you. He will condemn you. He will keep you locked there. But it is through bringing it into the light, being weak, being vulnerable, being honest, that God can do a work. Stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to others and stop lying to God. You have to be willing to search your heart. You have to be willing for God to open up all corners. Hebrews 4.13, it says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him in whom we must give account. Let me tell you something. If you're lying to God, I don't want to break it to you, but he already knows. He knows what you did last summer. That's, that was a movie once. He, he knows what you did last night. He, he already knows. And all you are doing is hindering him from doing a work in your life. That is all you're doing. All you're doing is stopping him from having insight into your life. For the person that is feeling very convicted right now, it's not a condemnation, it's conviction. And right now, if you've made a mistake and you're going, my relationship with God isn't real anymore, as in now I've made this mistake, I'm walking in and out of being saved. Let me tell you something. If you, do, if you despise the sin, if you are wrestling with the sin, that is evidence of the Spirit of God in you. If you are hating the sin that you, have, uh, that you have done, if you're going, this is weighing on me, it is evidence of God being alive in your life. Trust me, it is not condemnation, it's conviction. And God will use that. God will use that to grow your relationship. It isn't shame. It's a signal for freedom. It isn't a lack of God. It is the light of God shining in you. 
wanting to reveal his glory, reveal his work. Listen to his voice. Let him lead you in this season. Vulnerability requires us to stop, drop, and roll. Stop lying. But also you've got to drop the mask. Every time the next person that says, how are you really doing? How are you going? Would you stop lying to yourself, to others, to God? And would you drop the mask of pride? The mask of pride, is, it's so much more easier than a raw mask of vulnerability. Isn't it? Like, as in, it's so much easier to put on a front than to actually be real with the circumstances. And I remember as a young man, I worked corporately and um, I never wanted to be known as the sales guy. I don't know like if you worked corporately before, but I just, didn't, I just didn't like that title. I wanted to be the business development manager. Like, you know, it just sounded better, didn't it? Like, as in, but I was really a sales guy. If I didn't want to be the business development, development manager, I just wanted to be the account manager or the CTRO or the CEO or the COO. You know, I would, you'd just build an acronym because when someone asked me what I was doing, I was like, oh, you know, I'm just the, this account person that deals with, and it's like, oh, you're a sales guy. Okay, cool. <laughs> I get it. But we've got to drop the mask of pride, don't we? As in, the mask of pride wants titles and aren't a reality. It makes us buy things that we all can't afford. It it, it makes us impress people that aren't even watching. Matthew 5.3, one of my favorites, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who know their emptiness without God. Blessed are those who are just desperate for God in their life to move. Blessed are those who feel like nothing because they don't have God and that they seek Him. Blessed are those that sense, that recognize their emptiness without God. We have to drop the mask of pride. You know, David in the Old Testament, he was, a, he was known as a man after God's heart. But yet he made his mistakes, right? He, he committed adultery. He murdered Bathsheba's husband. But he didn't try to erase it from... He was the king. He didn't try to erase it from history. You're trying to erase your past. Embrace your past. God wants to use your past for his glory. He wants to actually make it your testimony. The shame and guilt you feel is all from the enemy. And he actually wants to do a work in your life. He wants to bring it out into the light so he can do a work in you and reveal himself in your life and and to others. But you see, David here in 2 Samuel, he literally, if you read 2 Samuel chapter 12, he gives an account of what took place. Well, Samuel writes it, but it's an account of what takes place. But in Psalm 51, David writes a worship song about his mistakes. Who does that? Who would write a worship song about their worst weeks ever? And not just the the nice stuff about how they drew closer to God, but the bad stuff that actually took place. This is a man after God's heart, and he led through vulnerability and weakness. David opened up and was transparent about his failings. He wanted to talk about it because he wanted others to learn from it. And through his weakness, God lifted him up. Through his honesty, through his vulnerability, God was able to use him. You know, to the person that has the privilege of speaking to people in public spaces. Whether that, you might be a life group leader, a teacher, a team leader, you're a subject matter expert in in a profession and you get to speak into people's lives. Could I encourage you, would you be vulnerable with them? 
Would you stop leading by all the accomplishments that you've done and start leading through weakness? I don't think it's catchy. Would you stop leading through all the wins, all the amazing things that God's done, and would you start sharing your life with others and actually connect with them? They don't need to hear your great story. They know. They want to know how you got there. They want to know who was involved. They want to know the bad times because that is where we're able to help the most. Would you choose to lead and speak like David? He chose to lead through weakness and vulnerability. Would you drop the mask? James 5, 16 says, confess your sins, confess your weaknesses, confess your vulnerabilities to one another, and then you will be healed. Confession is so good for us. You know, I remember when we were leading some um, youth teams, I nearly used to kind of dare them to kind of share openly with people. Do you know what I mean? And I used to say this line uh, before we started a conversation. I used to be like, hey, I used to say the depth and width, Aaron's laughing because he was in some of these meetings, but I used to say the depth and width of what you respond to right now will will determine the depth and width of this conversation tonight. And it was like a challenge to the guys. Like they were like, I'll share my trans. And, and what I was trying to say here is that the depth and width of your vulnerability will determine whether or not we have real relationships or not. The depth and width of what I share with you today will determine whether real relationships take place. And out of nowhere, the first person would start and they would start talking about their addiction to pornography. Or they'll talk about how they uh, went back and drinking again or to drugs. Or maybe they would talk about the hatred they were feeling in a relationship or how lost they were feeling in a career. But all it took was one moment of vulnerability from someone. And it just caught on. And there was just a, a beautiful culture of openness. You know, as I said earlier before I started here, a discipleship culture will become a buzzword if we're not vulnerable. So you can't just start going, yeah, we really want discipleship. And I know many churches are talking about discipleship at the moment, but it requires a foundation of vulnerability because you can't disciple a mask of yourself. You can't disciple if you're not being true to yourself. And also we have to drop the mask. We have to be willing to be, willing to be open with our feelings and drop the act. This week, I went to the dentist. It, it, normally, it's our, right? For the first, you got to understand, I've spent 10, 12 weeks straight at the dentist before. So I was, I was not encouraged to go. But literally at the men's event, my wife booked me into an appointment. And I get this text going, just a reminder for your appointment. I'm going, yeah, I can't wait. Anyway, um, I go to the dentist. But just before I leave, my, da- my daughter, my three-year-old says, Daddy, where are you going? And I go, I said, I'm going to the dentist, sweetie. And I just felt the need to say, I'm really scared. And so I told this three-year-old, I said, I'm really scared, sweetie. And she said, you'll be okay. When you come back, we'll talk about it. (laughs) She's like her mother. Um, And I just made this decision at this point to say, I'm going to be vulnerable with my daughter, with my kids. I'm going to be open with how I'm feeling about things. I'm going to drop the mask, drop the tough guy act. I know, like I said, you know, sometimes we feel like, oh, I can't admit I can't lift that. I think my arms can say, I can't lift that. Like, as in, I don't need to put on the tough guy act. My, I want my kids to know what a real man is. 
And it is not to be strong at a gym working out. It's great that you do that. I'm so glad. But if you're not vulnerable, if you're not weak with them, if you will not show them a culture of weakness, of honesty, of vulnerability, where will they learn it? I want them to know that vulnerability is okay. I want them to know that weakness is okay. Because when I'm weak, I'm strong. When, when I'm struggling, guess what? He comes alongside me. When, in my emptiness, in my brokenness, it's where his glory is revealed. Drop the mask. Your vulnerability helps others be vulnerable. If your friends after today reject you for being vulnerable, let me tell you, they were not your friends to begin with. Maybe you're in a marriage or relationship and when you open up, you're just not getting that same engagement that you thought you should get. I would just encourage you, firstly, consider seeing a counsellor. But also, this is why men's and women's events are so important, to be honest. Because when men get together, we're able to be vulnerable with each other. Yeah. We're able to stir each other up in that way. And when women get together, they're able to do the same. But I would encourage us to find appropriate friends that you're able to open up with. And, and please, men... Stick with men. Women, stick with women. I'll just say this. Men, you do not need to be opening up to another woman about your vulnerabilities. Let me just say that directly as it may. Women, same, right? As in, as in, in, this, in the same way, we just got to find ways to be more vulnerable with the, with the people in our lives. To be strong is to be weak. To embrace vulnerability is to be like Jesus. Stop, drop, and roll. Stop lying to yourself. Drop the mask and roll. Would you believe me if I told you that vulnerability could actually roll off your tongue? You could actually grow in vulnerability. Because some of you are going, no, I'm not really built like that. And actually, I'll invite the worship team up now, by the way. I was going to say when I cough twice, but just that... That only worked once and it didn't happen. But what if I told you vulnerability could be your new normal? What if I told you that vulnerability could be the new lifestyle and culture that you create? I want us to follow Paul for a few moments as we finish today. Because Paul is known as this amazing, colossal apostle, writer of the New Testament, writes over half of the New Testament. But the thing is, if you follow his writings, he grows in vulnerability. Because we have to start somewhere. Can I say also, if, if, you op- if someone opens up to you today or this week and you just go, I don't know what to say, would you just say, thank you for being so courageous? If someone opens up to you this week and says, and, and just kind of puts you on it, would you say, hey, listen, why don't we talk about this in a few days? Like, as in, I'm so glad that you shared this with me. Don't shut them down. Don't give them the silent treatment. But just embrace what they're saying. Start the conversation. But anyway, the colossal apostle, he grows in vulnerability. Watch this, Galatians 2 verse 6. He starts off with a little bit of pride. And he says, For those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were, makes no difference to me. Look at egotistic Paul. What a funny fella. Anyway, God does not show any favorites. They added nothing. I don't need anyone. I don't need them. They added nothing to my message. This is written in 49 AD after death. This is written then. Six years later, though, Paul continues to draw closer to Christ. What what does he write in 1 Corinthians 15? For I am the least 
of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called apostles. All of a sudden, it's, it's wrapped around in vulnerability and transparency and openness. Because I persecuted the church, all of a sudden, he's honest about where he really came from. That's six years after 49 AD. Five years after that, he writes Ephesians 3.8. And he says, although I am less than the least of all God's people. So he's kind of saying, there's a less than the least. And Paul's writing here, I'm even lower than that. I am the worst of the worst. The closer he drew to Jesus, the more weak he became, the more vulnerable he became. Two years before his death, 1 Timothy 1.15, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, to whom I'm the worst. Out of all the sinners you've ever known, Paul writes, I am the worst of all of them. The closer Paul drew to Jesus, closer he drew to vulnerability, the closer he opened up and he said, you know, I'm just going to be open. I'm going to be transparent. Vulnerability can grow in your life. You can literally grow in it. You have to practice it. For those of you that are saying, I can't change, trust me, you can. It is not a personality type. It's a decision. You're saying, I'm just a quiet person. You can be a quiet person, but you can still have two or three people that you share with. Maybe, maybe you're, you're thinking to yourself, oh, but it's all I've ever known. My parents from a young age told me, don't tell anyone this. You're part of the kingdom now. We build a kingdom culture. We follow the ways of Jesus. And the ways of Jesus was vulnerable, was weak, was open. Maybe you say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just a quiet person. It doesn't mean doesn't mean you don't need to talk about things. It doesn't mean you don't need to reflect and dig. If you asked my parents as a teenager what I was like, the last word they would use is vulnerable. I was the typical teenager, young adult, used to come home from work or school, eat, and then lock myself in my bedroom for the next five hours. Does anyone have a teenager? Anyone know someone like that? As in, like, as in you know, it just happens, right? And so when Alyssa and I got engaged, she witnessed me being a bit short with my parents, like just not giving them much. Someone said, "Uh uh-oh, yes, uh uh-oh. Because before we got married, she has this really direct conversation with me, one of those proper conversations. And she said, hey, hey, buddy. She didn't call me buddy. She may have called me love, probably not. This is before we got married, she said, hey, this won't be acceptable in our marriage. I said, excuse me? And she repeated herself. And I said, whoa, yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, whatever you say. This first year of marriage was like a daily counselling session. Like as in, you got to understand, I wasn't, I was working corporately at the time and, and I, I really didn't like my job. I was struggling there. I was trying to balance Am I called to ministry? Am I not? I was just frustrated as anything. And I would come home and I would get 101 questions from my wife. And it was like pulling teeth at times. I I was like going, why is she doing this to me? But in these moments, I was learning how to reflect. I didn't even know it. In these moments, I was learning to be more aware of my emotions. 
you got to understand, after a year of this, I walk in, I say, babe, we need some time together. We need to talk. I now lead the conversations. You ask majority of the people around us, and they would say, like, as in, he's, he's quite vulnerable now. It's because, as in, I went through this extensive training for a year, but also... <laughs> but but, but I, you got to understand, we have such an intimate relationship because of the vulnerability we're able to share the weakness that we go through. And you guys, now I'm leading these comments. Now I'm asking, how did you feel about that? When that person said this to you, oh, you know, what do you think? And it was such, it's such a beautiful thing. So for those of you that are saying, I can't change, I'm standing here knowing you can because God changed my life. As in literally he did a work in me and I believe he wants us all to draw closer to him. And as you draw closer to him, we will see the power of vulnerability. We will see the amazingness of being weak with one another. When I am weak, then I am strong. Stop, drop and roll. Allow vulnerability to roll. Can you imagine a community? Can you imagine your family where weakness is shared? Where vulnerability is on the table and we are sharing everything that's going on in our lives? Let me tell you something. It will be something beautiful. It will be something authentic, something genuine. And that's our heart's desire for our church and for your families. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes this morning? Let's close today. I know we've been talking about vulnerability today, but I believe that there's potentially some guests in the room that you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. And we read Philippians at the start of this message, and this was all about Jesus being vulnerable for us. He gave his life for us so that we could be saved, so our sins could be forgiven. And so today, As God was vulnerable with you, as He said, I'm giving everything for you. I'm becoming nothing so that you can be saved. I'm giving my life so that you could have victory. Would you be vulnerable with God this morning? And would you say, I need Him? Would you say, I need Jesus? I want to make a decision for Him and hand my life over to Him. I'm going to stop doing things my own way. I'm going to drop the act. I'm going to drop all these things. I'm going to choose Jesus this morning. So if you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, and today you're just saying, I need Him today. I know the Holy Spirit is leading me today. Right now, with every eye closed, every head bowed, would you just lift your hand right now? We're just going to pray this prayer together. Would you be vulnerable with God today? Yes, let's see this hand. Anyone else? Just be vulnerable, be opened with Him. Say, God, I want to be weak. I want to be poor in spirit and lean on You. Anyone else in this room? Would you just lift your hand boldly today? Come on, as one family, would we join? And could we? would you repeat this prayer after me? Lord, this day... I invite you into my life. I believe you died for my sins. You rose again and you're alive today. Come live in me. Transform my life in your name. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together? 
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.